Welcome back to another Macam in the Middle podcast. This is Kyle taking over this one. That's an American, hostile American takeover of the podcast. No, I'm kidding. But um, <laughs> uh, we figured myself, Michael Bowers, and of course, Daniel Stokel. Uh, these are my two partners in crime today to talk about a few things. Um, more specifically, an event that we have now dubbed as uh, Guccella, as Lyndon Gooch signed a new contract, which we'll get into. But also, we just kind of wanted Whoever to recap. this podcast, by the way, please let that be the title. Uh, right, it has to be. I mean, Guccella is perfect, you know. And uh, and the reason why I have Daniel on, for example, is uh, he is as fervent as a Gooch defender as as myself. And then Michael's here for a little bit, of, a little bit of balance. Uh, otherwise, this would probably get sickening real quick. But uh, we're here to talk a little bit about Lyndon Gooch. I think that was a, a pretty big news and a player that's you know obviously strikes some different opinions. Um, and then we're going to touch briefly on ownership. I say briefly, but, you know, with Michael, that could obviously get into the weeds, but briefly on the ownership situation. No, no, it's um, fine. It takes as long as it takes. It's OK. Right. Exactly. Uh, ownership situation. Uh, obviously, the, the, the schedule release, the fixture release. And then, you know, just some brief things about, you know, different signings. Who else do you think, you know, from the current club we should sign and outside the club, obviously, who, who we're looking to bring in? There's all the, the swirling rumors and it's impossible to kind of get that all into a pod without it going bust almost immediately as players sign elsewhere. But uh, like I said, as, as the official Guccella podcast, uh, Linden Gooch, you know, there, there was a lot of speculation about, you know, was he going to resign? You know, Swansea was poking around. There's some different opportunities here and there. I personally thought that after the, after the, uh, the uh, championship game that he was going to be gone. I thought for sure he was going to be gone, but lo and behold, uh, earlier this week, he does extend his stay with the club for two years. Uh, which makes him amongst the longest-serving players in in the club's history, but mostly recent history. But who who is the player Daniel that we discovered was one of the longest players? Um, it, it was. <laughs> we had to really dig deep. You put him on the spot here. <laughs> oh yeah, you put him on the spot here. Two seconds. Uh, was, uh, Huey Wilson. That was it. Yep, Huey. Yeah. So to 1899. No, so I mean. Yeah, Gooch really is up there as far as, you know, this club's history has been, you know, obviously very stored and very long. But, you know, Gooch really has uh, carved out quite his place. He's now been with us, I mean, basically since the age of 10 is when he started coming out, yeah. you know, to Sunderland during during school holidays from Santa Cruz, California, which is roughly about where I'm from, which is, you know, funnily enough. But uh, he signs a two-year extension with, with Sunderland. And like I said, Michael, he's he's definitely a player that, has differing opinions, especially throughout the season. I think toward the end, though, I, the most of the things that I saw and just you could see his, you know, his emotion and his reaction after the, um, you know, game at Wembley. And it, you see this as a good sign. Yeah, no, ultimately it is. So, yes, everyone can be shocked straight away that I've said that. Um, yes, it is a good sign. I mean, as I remember, we we did a podcast, I think me and Kyle were, I don't remember if Daniel was on it, but me and Kyle were on a podcast, I think, with Josh, and we were saying, like, play of the, like, the last season just gone, who was the most improved, who did this, that, and the other, and I said to Kyle that it actually was going to surprise him that I thought Gooch was the most improved, certainly under Alex Neal, because I thought defensively in the playoffs, I thought he was outstanding, um, to be fair to him, and as everyone knows by now, I'm one of Gooch's biggest critics, but one of the things I'll never accuse him of is phoning it in, like we've seen a lot of players do for Sunderland. Um, over the last however many years. And in terms of continuity, and Alex Neal touched on it in the statement about keeping Linda Gooch, you want to keep a core together. You want to keep the continuity. And yes, we know we have to upgrade in certain positions. Um, this is where I'm going to invite attacks here. I don't think Gooch is good enough to start in the championship, personally. 
But, well, at least not on a regular basis. There'll be some games where he'll need to be used. But as a squad player, I don't think you could have had anyone any better because you've got some... Because if, say, he went, we'd have to probably spend money and if not on transfer fees, probably more money on wages to replace him. And you're going to have someone who doesn't have as much love for the club as what Lyndon Gooch does. Um, and he's versatile. He covers a number of positions. So as far as keeping him, certainly as a squad player, I'm more than content with that. I'm more than happy with it. It's a start. It get, It just kind of puts it puts things at ease a bit. And look, to be fair, whatever my opinion on Lyndon Gooch, Preston and Swansea were, let, were reportedly interested in him. You're not going to attract championship interest if he hasn't got something to offer at least to some degree at this level. So, yeah, fair play to the guy. And look, you could tell what it meant to him for us to get promoted. And that's just one of the things. That's what we want, isn't it? We want players who give who give a damn about the club. We want players who right. actually show that they care about what's going on. And after the two relegation seasons where we saw anything but that, it is, it's a nice refreshing change. And I was with you, Kyle. I thought when you saw his body language for, well, like after the game and during his, club, his interview at the club at Wembley, I got the impression that was going to be the last time that he was going to play for us. If it was, it would have been the best way for him to leave. Right. But thankfully not, and he's staying. So fair play to the lad. He deserves it. Right. Right. I I definitely fell there. There's you know a few weeks leading up to Wembley. There was some, of course, some guy popping off on Instagram in the comments about um, you know supposedly seeing Lyndon Gooch and a bunch of other Sunderland players at uh, at a bar in Newcastle, and they he overheard him talking about how he was planning on signing for Wigan. And I was like, you know what, that actually makes a lot of sense, you know. But obviously, I want to keep him here, and and obviously he he has now stayed, so all that goes to rest. But Daniel, the one thing that I really see with Lyndon Gooch, besides just you know just a cracking player, obviously. Um, it's very vital to keep someone like him, you know, around the squad, not only because he can contribute, but just about any player that now comes to the club on a new signing or a transfer or whatever, Alex Neal can basically point at Lyndon Gooch and say, if you want to know what it means to play for this club, just and points right at Lyndon Gooch, right? Do you feel like Gooch now kind of embodies a lot of, of what we as fans want to see from just about any player who comes through? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's been here since he was 10 years old um, when we were living life in the Premier League. He's played or witnessed the the Tynweer derbies. He's witnessed the Lee Catamals, the John O'Shea's, the, the players that really understand Sunderland Football Club to the degree that it needs to be understood. It's not a club where you can go get paid a lot of money and have a half-assed attempt at playing football. You've got to give that 120, 130% every single game because the, clearly the fans aren't, aren't scared to show their emotions when they see that you've put in 60% effort or you've not played as well as you should have done or could have done. Um, and he's, he's one of the last remaining uh, people that we've got. So from that point of view, he's, he's one of the biggest assets we can have at the club, someone who can really show the new people what it means to play for the Sunderland first team and the new signings, what it means to sign for a club of this stature. Um, I, I think Luke O'Neill is starting to slowly get to that point as well. He sort of seems to understand Sunderland um, as well. So he's another good person that we can rely on in, that, in terms of that. Um, but another thing on Lyndon Gooch, which I, I know Michael said he doesn't really see him starting or doesn't think that he should really start many games at the moment. But 
we've seen a clear turnaround from February when Alex Neal took over. The Linden Gooch for Lee Johnson and the Linden Gooch for Alex Neal are two different players. And that's a credit to Alex Neal's man management. So I strongly believe that if you give Gooch a full preseason under Alex Neal, play him in a position where he wants to play as well, where Alex Neal can look and assess it the training ground over the next four weeks where his best position is we will see a completely different Linda Gooch going forward I mean he's only 26 he's not he's only just breaking through to his prime at the moment um so that's another thing that we need to take into consideration this is this is a player that's 26 gets the club understands the club and has understood it understood it since he came and made the gamble when he was 10 years old um and now we're about to see a different Linda Gooch, a Gooch that was potentially not by confidence through the past four seasons of League One and the relegation from the Premier League, the relegation from the Championship. He's been through it all and there to take us back up again, um, whether that's on the pitch or off the pitch. So I, I think in terms of an asset, this is a great deal um, and a huge contract that we've given out deservedly after the change around he's had in form. So I'm just excited to see how he starts in July and August because I I strongly feel that a preseason under Alex Neal will, will transform him even more. Right. Gooch had, yeah. Gooch hat trick against Coventry, calling it. Right. <laughs> I, I I think I put that in the in the the Twitter group. I was just like, what are the odds? You know, someone give me odds for Linda Gooch to score the first goal next season because I I just I just feel that coming. But but in all seriousness, you know, I I think it's. Yeah, as an American fan, obviously, I, I love seeing him. And as as kind of dumb and, and cheesy as that sounds, like when I was a free agent, so to speak, looking for clubs to follow and things like that, when I started poking around Sunderland, the one thing I do, I pull up the roster and I'm like, okay, let me <laughs> let me see which American players are on the squad. And and sure enough, he was there. And I was like, yep, that that pretty much sealed the deal for me. I didn't, I knew nothing about him. Like even watching the U.S. Men's National Team, I know he had made a couple de- debuts and stuff, but you know, I'd never. You know, never knew of him, never really heard of him. But as soon as I kind of saw that, it kind of cemented my my fate to to support this club. And can obviously, I, can I also I'm, say as well, bringing up that point um, about the U.S. Na- national team, now that he's back in the championship, there is argument that he could see this as an opportunity to break back into that team. Um, I know good point. He might not be as good as Pul- well, nowhere near as good as like the <laughs> likes of Pulisic. Um, and all the other attacking forwards that right. the US mentality team have. But his versatility, his ability to play in multiple different positions and do a good job of it. Now he's in the championship. At 26, he's still got that opportunity to break back into the national team, which from right. my perspective could drive him on to perform at an even higher level now. Um, right. Because... He's going to get seen. All our players are going to get seen internationally now because we're not stuck in League One. So that's another factor that I feel like could benefit everyone's performance. Yeah, he, he's been out for quite a bit. I think his last kind of appearance was in 2016. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, no, you, you do make a good point. I think this will kind of re-motivate him as well. And th- the thing I really like um, that I saw, it's, it's interesting when you follow a lot of our players on social media and whatnot and just kind of see you know, how each player handles the off season. 
I mean, it was weeks ago that you know you saw Lyndon Goose with Max Power and a few other players from the championship. They were all doing like a training together, like really intense, <laughs> intense training, which you love to see that. I get that like these other players want a vacation and, and probably relax because I don't know what it, all that goes into being a professional footballer and things like that. But you could see it just even on the video that the uh, the club released yesterday. It was just like, oh, the lads are back at training. And you just see some of the players just dragging ass real, <laughs> excuse my language, but just like really, really huffing and puffing out there. And you can tell like a lot of them probably weren't as up to date with their with their fitness. And you could tell Gooch, I mean, he's probably energized by that contract. He wants to, you know, kind of prove his worth. He did all the work to get him here. And it's, and now is not the time to rest. Like this was just kind of step one. It took longer than, than we wanted. But I, I really like this, just kind of the last few things on, on Lyndon Gooch. I think this sums it up pretty well. Um, I'm just on his Wikipedia, of course. Um, but yeah, 2016, he made his first uh, Premier League debut. It was against Manchester City, of course. It was a 2-1 defeat. But after the debut, the Sun- Sunderland Echo commented on his performance, describing him as, quote-unquote, energy, fearlessness, and endeavor. And, yeah, I feel like those three words are, are pretty much what sums up Lenny Gooch. Spot, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty spot on. He's still, yeah, he, I think he still plays with that same same endeavor, same fearlessness. So, but nonetheless, I think, I think we're all in agreement. I think obviously Daniel and I, Michael, you know, <laughs> our feelings for <laughs> Lyndon Gooch, but it's good to see that he's softened up on you as well. And, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I think he's a really good player to have around the club. You, you, you want to be able to point to someone and say, that's what it means to play with the club. Just to but, point out as well, quickly, that I think players for morale, for the dressing room, I think could make a bigger impact than people think. And whatever my opinion on Lyndon Gooch as a player, and I still believe I'd want better than him starting in the championship. But you never know. Hopefully Daniel's point is right. Um, I think that having him around the dressing room, I think, could be a big factor. It's the same way that I think, like Max Power, recent times, as an right. example, as someone who was probably popular in the dressing room. I'd like to think that Lyndon Gooch will have that same impact and will have that same influence. And if you have a happier dressing room, you're more likely to get wins on the pitch and consistent results. Right. You need that continuity, right? Yeah, you need yeah. you know, the core. Yep. Um, like the way you look at the all the squads, well, most of the squad this preseason, like where we were only two weeks from the playoff final win, and everyone was getting fit, everyone was booking PTs, everyone has been doing weight training, doing endurance training, power training, etc. And you could see like the way that we ended the season last year. There's like this togetherness that at the club, which is something we've not had in years. There's a true, true togetherness, which is something that will carry us going into next season. The core of the squad seems to be very close-knit, and that's something I witnessed personally at the training ground. Everyone seems to be together. That's right. Um, and fair play to Alex Neal for creating that, which I think is a really nice foundation to have going into the championship season. Of course, the playoff final win is nice, and that will obviously help. But even before that, you could tell that the squad was together. If we weren't picking up points, it wasn't like the the squad are taking apart, uh, like on the pitch they're shouting at each other. They, they weren't doing anything like that. Um, they've been training hard as a team, as a unit. They've been progressing, developing as a unit, and now we're going into the championship as the same unit with the same core group of players that know how each other play. And hopefully, with some good signings in the summer, it's a really good positive foundation to push on. And uh, the atmosphere around the club is is one of the best it's been in five, six, seven years. The thing as well, you got to remember, is momentum. That's another word because 
we've had momentum at the end of last season when we've had on a we went on what was it, I think six, we ended sixteen games unbeaten, one defeat in the eighteen since Alex Neal came in, and we had momentum because we won the we won at Wembley, we won the playoffs, which is the hardest way to go up. Um, that many in many people's opinion. So I mean, if you look at Blackpool last year, Blackpool had an exceptional, I think, almost exceptional first half of the season. I bet you a large part of that was momentum from the fact that they won the playoffs. So. Hopefully that's the case with us. But I genuinely believe, like Daniel said, if we can get some good signings in and we keep the core, keep the togetherness together and momentum continues, I'm not expecting to be anywhere near the top end of the league, but you never know what could happen. Right. Well, and I think that kind of leads us right into kind of the next phase of this, you know, with, with just talking about current transfers, you know, anyone we're bringing in. But really what I wanted to look at with, with the players that we have from last season, yeah, I'll start with you, Michael. Who do you think, and I know Patrick Roberts' agent has been, you know, in and around the club a little bit, and, you know, he's possibly looking to re-sign. But, Michael, who would you say would be the top two players from the squad from last season that you would like to see us kind of extend and, and retain here? Oh, good question. Uh, you, had to, you had to be a dickhead and say only two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can, I, I more, figure uh, one each for, you know, two each for each, each of you. But, yeah, no, it does okay, get... Okay, right, no, fine. Um, right, okay, if I, if I had to pick two... Um, Ross Stewart's one. That's that's obvious. Um, yeah. I think that it's hard to and I would and if we sold and, I, and I, I'm going to say this now, even if Rangers came in from, I'd be very tempted to just not sell him regardless because <laughs> it means we would. It means if the money we would likely get for Ross Stewart would not be enough to get a striker who is as mobile as he is, who's as quick as he is, who's as tall as he is, who gets around the pitch as he does, who can exactly. score the goals like he's done. You know, he's, he's almost he's, he's close to a complete package as what you could get. Obviously, not being prem standard, but, you know, for where we are, he's as close to a complete package as we can hope for. So, Ross Stewart, for me, I'd like to see him get a longer contract and get that sorted out. I'd imagine the club probably are doing it behind the scenes. We just probably haven't seen it. Um, and then I suppose one of the other two would have to be Bailey Wright or Patrick Roberts because the other the other guys have pretty much got solid contracts. Um, for me, it's got to be Patrick Roberts. Um, Inter- okay, I, you know you were way, <laughs> you love Bailey were, Wright. I know you were going to expect. I know you were going to expect <laughs> to say Bailey Wright. Um, I'm shocked, but there's a reason because I was listening to the What the Fault Pod. Graham Fox, so um, go Great subscribe pod. to that. But one of the, what, he he asked one of the lads a question that out of Wright and Roberts, if you had to pick one to keep, who would it be? And that and that's kind of similar with me. I would say that the reason I say Patrick Roberts is because we already have Danny Bart there. And I think right. Danny Bart is someone who, like Bailey Wright, I think has got good leadership skills and is able to organise things. And I think we could cope without without Bailey Wright a bit more than I think we could without Patrick Roberts. I'm not saying you couldn't get any other players like Patrick Roberts, but when you've got someone right like Patrick Roberts right there who's ready to sign the contracts, for me, that should be done. Um, oh... No, I'm, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say Bailey Wright as well. I'm sorry, Kyle. I can't stick to it. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, no, that, I, I was expecting it. I, was expecting I, I can't it. not include Bailey Wright in this. Whether Bailey Wright starts every week, I don't know again, but I think he'll start a handful of games because remember the championship, especially with how the season's formatted with the World Cup, you're going to have a lot more midweek fixtures, I would imagine. Um, and there might be a few rearranged fixtures to, to contend with as well. Um, although not because of international breaks or Papa John's games, that'd be quite nice. But you're going to have a lot of rearranged fixtures and I think I think the guys will in the squad will have a work cut out for them so yeah it would have to be Stuart Roberts Roberts and Wright I know you said two but I'm cheating no that that's fair that's fair because that kind of brings you know, Dan we'll go to you next um with I guess a few of the other players especially the ones we had on loan such as um you know Jack Clark where do you see a player like Jack Clark because I've seen him 
Tottenham's possibly thinking about letting him go, you know, letting him sign for possibly us or anyone else. What are your opinions on Jack Clark? Do you think he's someone that we should also aim to resign, or do you think that we we have kind of enough kind of coverage in that position already? Personally, I don't think we've got anywhere near enough coverage in any position. Yeah, you're, um, you're probably right. Yeah, especially of championship quality. Um, the depth we need. We, I mean, we're looking at nine, ten players that we probably need of championship quality, high, high-end championship, potentially borderline Premier League quality, is what we need. And Jack Clark is another player that we've seen develop tremendously in the last year that we've had him, or six months that we've had him. Um, I can't remember when we signed him, but he was a player that I that frustrated me a, a lot of. Yeah, and uh, towards maybe March, April, May time, because he would be a left winger that didn't have a left foot. <laughs> but Alex Neal has made him believe in that left foot, and that's what got us through to the um, playoff final. Um, and that's what's created some critical goals for us in the last couple of months leading up to the season. So. Um, now that he's back in a league that you can play pretty football in, yeah, absolutely, I'd take him back. And, uh, and without two thoughts, I'd take him back because I feel like he'd be a great player to have and utilise in any of those three front three positions as a second striker, as a left winger or a right winger. Um, it's that sort of fast-paced, slick football that he can play. He can drag four, three, four, five defenders out of position. He can yep. run rings around them all day. Um, he's intelligent. And he can put a good delivery in. He can score good goals as well. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't think twice about resigning him, whether that's on loan um, or permanently. So, probably I'd lean more towards a loan. Um, not sure how right. we'd do if we got higher, if we were pushing higher, if potentially we even got promoted somehow. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think there's a lot of players that we need. But... Going back to your question about what two, three players would I want to see, I think it's a, I think it's an easy question. I think Ross Stewart, Anthony Patson, and Dan Neal are the three players that we need to put on yep. longer contracts, regardless of what they're already on. It's been years since we've had a true number nine, a true out-and-out striker that can get on balls, that can get on the end of balls and score goals, can score different kinds of goals. Um, He's only 25. Uh, he's one that we need to be putting on a three, four-year deal because he's only going to develop. He's got had that sniff in Scotland national team as well, so he's going to want to really push on this season. Um, and I feel like he could do it higher as well. Anthony Patterson, same. We've not had a, a solid good keeper since Jordan Pickford um, for us, and we finally got one that can do a job that's young, that's agile, they can create tremendous saves. Um, he saved us a couple of times. The way he commanded that box at Wembley was sensational. He was a player that, when we first gave his debut, yeah, he was shaky for the first couple of months. But that belief, that trust in him um, has allowed him to grow into a, a, a number one that I truly, truly trust to have in the goal of uh, yep. us. So, and I'm sure that every other player on that pitch is confident that he's the one behind them um, as well and Daniel is another very very talented centre mid that will get that should get minutes in this league because he's going to be a player that can 
tear this league apart with the type of football that's played in here. It's not shit house football anymore. It's it's <laughs> right. pre football. It's nice fast flowing um, football. It's technical, intelligent football, which is exactly what Daniel can do. We saw that he could do it in the in League One, and because of the physicality of it. He, he probably struggled towards the end because of how young he is and how much he got played. But the work he's put in over preseason and also the fact that he's had Premier League clubs after him, I think he's another one that we should tie down, get sorted, because we should be building around those three. Yep. No, I, no, Daniel's con- Daniel's got another. Daniel's got another three years left on his contract. I, I would still I'd boost it to five seriously <laughs> because. He, it's not often. I mean, the last real player that we had come from our academy other than Pickford was Jordan Henderson. He's gone on to win basically everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's not often that you'll get a player from your academy that will produce levels like this. And we've got him from League One. Um, we gave him that chance in League One. I would give five years, six year, years to him um, and really tie him down to show that we want to build around him. Because if you were to... If, Alex Neal or Christian Speakman or KLD said that they were going to sell the whole squad tomorrow to raise funds. They would be the three that I feel like we have to build around no matter what. Um, and maybe the three that I'd be so, like, I'd be devastated to see go. So I think it's a very simple question. And that is our future. Yeah, no. Yeah, you got. I, you definitely have to keep the players who understand the club, right? And Daniel, you know, even players like Elliot Embleton, who I know we signed what last season to, to kind of extend his stay here. You got to have players like that. And I think, I think the hardest part for me is really understanding how a lot of these players are going to look in the championship because, I, you know, all I, I've, I've watched a lot of championship football, watched a lot of Premier. I, I've watched way more League One football than I would like, and so my my brain is kind of tainted with what what I think. You know, the squad looks like in League One. So it's going to be really interesting to see how, you know, the championship's still really physical. That's one thing I've noticed from from the games I've watched is everyone's just a little bit bigger, right? Which which sounds very basic and dumb, but really everyone is just a little bit bigger, a little bit faster. But just like you guys mentioned, it, it's a little bit more free-flowing. There's a little bit more space to operate, to actually utilize your talents instead of League One where the, the pitch is flooded, the ref's blind, and you got two people coming in for ankle tackles from, you know, from two different well, angles. I, 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 I still argue the ref's the blind. 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 That, that literally sums up referees. The ref is blind, man. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, League One was a treat, let me tell you. You're, you're right. The championship is a, is a step up because that's when it starts getting serious. That's when it, the money starts talking. Like, the, the Champions, championship playoff final is the most expensive game of football in the world. We're not talking about budgets of five million pounds and under, budgets of a million pounds with clubs. We're talking about clubs that are happy to spend 50, 60, 70 million pounds on, on their transfer window. So you've got to be uh, you've got to be fitter, you've got to be stronger, you've got to be mentally faster, you've got to be more switched on, you've got to be more agile. Every touch you take in League One, you probably have another five touches that you can make. Every touch in championship that you make, you're going to get tackled, you're going to get someone pressing you. Because these players that are coming into the championship don't see it as a shit league anymore, like maybe they would have ten years ago when no one really cared about them. I think, and I think Wolves were one of the teams that sort of transformed that when they bought all of uh, Sports and Lisbon's players to the <laughs> <Yeah>. championship. <laughs> this this is a serious division now, and there's a lot at stake, and yep. we're competing with teams that have got way bigger budgets than us, and teams that have got 
budgets the size of Premier League clubs, and in fact, half of the teams in here have got owners that are richer than half the Premier League clubs. Um, so it's it's a case of if you're if you're wanting to be serious in this league, you have no margin for error, really, because there's going to be five six players that are ready to take that spot. There's going to be five six players that are going to snap you in half and yep. run you ragged in this league. So. It, it's a huge step up, and that's why I think all these players in pre-season are getting fit, are going to PTs, are getting strength and conditioning coaches, are doing that power training, etc. Because that is what you need. That's that's the minimum of what you need at the moment. Yep. Um, and the way the teams are, the, the transfer windows come so far for other teams. This is a scary league now, and like I said, there is no margin for error for any team and right. or any player. Yeah, I was going to say, just this, the last thing on players is just uh, Nathan Broadhead. Just figure it out and bring him. Because I, I think Nathan Broadhead, Gooch, and a few of the other players that we mentioned are definitely the type that will play up. They will definitely play up to their opposition. They would also, we've seen like, you know, Gooch and stuff kind of get lost, you know, playing against League One. You know, not lost, but you know what I mean. Just kind of not playing to his full ability. And I think you definitely need the players who rise to the occasion, who play up, you know, to kind of, uh, utilize all, all the potential they have. You know, a lot of the players you have, I don't think are just the God-given football players with the, the talent that's out of this world. They have to kind of work for everything. And that, those are the players I love to see assigned, people like Lyndon Gooch. Um, Daniel, Elliot Embleton, I think is a good example. He's got all the talent, but he just has to work really hard for it, which you need that. You need that. So it's good to see the players working hard in the offseason. Yeah, Nathan Broadhead, just figure that out and bring him in. So, uh Moving on, we're going to, you know, a lot of ownership stuff was figured out, and I think a lot of relief, and, and I think it's been covered better than I think we'll, we'll cover it. But, Michael, we'll start with you. Um, it seems like the ownership picture now with with uh, Louis Dreyfus now having 51%, the controlling majority, um, with our, our pal Juan Satori, and then, of course, Stuart Donald still kicking around a little bit. Uh, feelings after this week's kind of news about the uh, ownership situation? relief for a start because i've been very sick of this being a subject um, <laughs> yes. but but just because i'm sick of it doesn't mean that the subject itself isn't important because it is um but i think when you look at it charlie methvin i mean if you look at what what legacy he's leaving behind he's he's the dude who uh spoke down to people sometimes i think right i'll quickly touch on the thing with methvin one thing and this this is probably pr i am fully aware of this but one thing that he said, PR or not, that I agreed with was that I felt the standards at Sunderland had been very, very low by the time that, and I'm not just talking morale, I'm talking standards among staff, standards among players had reached a low time low. Um, it must have done if we've had two relegations. But the point is, they did. Methvin, Methvin made a good name for himself at the start, as did Donald, but obviously things unraveled very quickly um, with a bit of scrutiny. Uh, Methvin needed to, well, I mean, both of them ideally needed to go, but Methvin has certainly, if you had to pick one of them, you, you can tolerate Donald staying with a less shares a bit more so. So Methvin buggering off for a start is a good thing, um, although it'll be interesting to see how he comes out and tries to maybe slag Sunderland fans off again. Now he isn't under any contractual negotiations to not speak up about it. Uh, Donald, you know, he's he's got, what is it, 19% now. So that's, but at the end of the day, the way I look at it is some people will still get their knickers in a twist with the idea that Donald's there. And I kind of get why to a degree. But for me, they've got to look at it this way. Is Donald going to have any say whatsoever in football operations? I'd be very, very surprised if he did. Um, and then, was it, KLD and Wansatori? 81% combined between them. 
I'll be, I've been someone who's been very critical of Juan Satori because I feel like he made promises like so many years ago that he was going to help revolutionize things. He was going to help like with the academy or get some contacts in. And I've yet to see any of that over the last four seasons. And I understand he's had his own political interests, but the way I look at it is then don't promise that you're going to do things with a club the size of Sunderland because it requires commitment and time. Having said that, with Madrox effectively leaving in terms of influence and one of them departing altogether, it'd be interesting to see what him and KLD can do without maybe being restricted potentially by the Madrox lot. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm most curious about happening. But at the end of the day, this is something that needed to happen just for the sake of, well, not having the fans together come in <laughs> for a start. No cryptocurrency <laughs> stuff. Um, that just, I, I was, at first, I didn't know why people were um, so up, uptight about it. But then I read into the cryptocurrency stuff and I was like, oh, actually, no, I can see why. I don't want them anywhere near the club. Right. So just, just, just for clarity, just for the sake that we could move on. Because the longer this went on, the more it could drag on into pre-season and plans for the new season. So this is, hopefully, this is done now definitively, at least for the time being. And we can now start to focus on getting the football club and the players and the squad ready for a championship season. Because that's ultimately what we need. The longer this held, this hung over the club, the more damage it could have potentially caused. Right. Yeah, and Daniel, I, I was just going to go on to, to mention that too. Um, do you feel like the timing was right for one? Do you, do you think it's important that we got this figured out? you know, this week, you know, kind of right before preseason kicks off. And then secondly, my more of a hypothetical, maybe a little, you know, con, you know, conspiracy theory in me. Do you feel at all that the the fans together or whatever, do you think that was drum up at all to possibly force Louis Dreyfus's hand to kind of own up and, and, and get a controlling majority of the, or, or do you think there's genuine interest there? Or do you think it was kind of maybe some, some inside players at play trying to get KLD to kind of force his hand a little bit? Um, so I would say that in terms of timing, I think, yeah, we've probably done it at the right time. Maybe it would have been good to do it a couple of weeks earlier, just so that we could get the budgets completely sorted so that we can know well I guess the board of directors knew who was funding what how much we had to play with I know they would previously um, figured out the budgets in January or, and before then because of course you've got to but you can't work out the full extent of how much each person is paying so you don't know what your actual disposable is so the timing's good because it's just before pre-season I mean if we were to sign anyone anyway, it wouldn't have been announced until this week because there was no one there to be able to do it um, and announce and get the academy ready for all the new That's players, etc. Um, so I don't. As long as the it was done before pre-season really started, that that was the main, I guess, uh, project date that they needed to sell, settle it by. Um, because if it went any longer, then that would have had a real knock-on effect. I mean, we're only four weeks. We're we're a month away from the season starting, so we can't, like it, it's an immovable deadline. So it's not like they could have played around anymore. It would have actually got serious, which I think could potentially be another reason why KLD just decided to buy the shares. Because yeah, because it seemed like that KLD and Juan Satori were acting as a, as if they were in the part of a different organization than mm-hmm. Charlie Methven and Stuart Donald. I mean, in the statement that was released, KLD had no rec- no knowledge that they were talking to the fans together. Um, so it was like, my friend didn't care. He just wanted those sales gone. 
so he just wanted those shares gone. So he was going to sell to whoever. Um, it was just, in fact, in the statement, it said Methem was going to sell to whoever paid the quickest or whoever he could sell the shares to the quickest. So in terms of that, I think they were just trying to get out as fast as possible and just they, they didn't care about the repercussions. Um, but that's where I think LD and his team of advisors, his team of legals, et cetera, that he's brought in from his own family are there to do the job which they've done and advise him, look, either they're going to sell to someone who's going to fuck things up or it's going to move this project back and right. delay it more than it needs to be delayed because when you're looking at the 30th of July as the fix as our first potential date before the fixtures were announced, four weeks, three weeks, two weeks potentially to sort our budgets, sort our budgeting in time for the preseason games to get players in. I mean, we're looking at currently what a 13, 14 man squad ish. Right. It's we can't take that into a season. We, um, never mind preseason. If half of our players get injured to preseason, we've got absolutely nothing to go into uh, the actual championship season with. So I think it was a case of KLD knew he had no time left to even try and debate other buyers. And the safest way to make sure that he had someone reputable to run the business with or to invest in the business is himself and whoever he's got behind the scenes. So I think it was a bit of both. Maybe they were releasing these statements about the fans together and other parties to maybe bump the price of the sales, uh, the sales up or to get KLD interested in what's going on. Um, and then KLD realizing, you know what, to, to just put everything straight, to stop the complications, etc. I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to get these sales. Yep. I'm going to take majority of the club. Once Altari clearly had an interest in staying, so that's why he got the 30% and he got the funding to be able to meet the goals that and the ambitions that are set out by the, the chairman. So I, it, I think it's a mix of everything. And like you said, I think time was the biggest problem. It, it couldn't have gone on anymore. If it did, that would have been shocking decisions from the board of directors. And yep. that's a reputation at stake. He's got a very proud family. Um, his father was a very good businessman with uh, Marseille. Um, and it's a family name that is very reputable. So I think to, to stop any, I guess, questions yep. being asked, to stop the reputation from being diminished, to get the job sorted, to get the project back on track, to get the players in, to get the preseason done, to get confidence and fitness in with even Alex Neal, because he, he might not have know, known what was going on. Obviously, he needs the backing from the board, and if the board don't even have a clue what's going on, where's he getting that backing from? So there's so many different uh, mitigating factors that which would have meant that KLD was like, you know, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to take majority. It's my club. I'm going to sort it out. Then maybe next summer, maybe moving into the season, we can look at other investors that are reputable, and I can sell the shares personally. I can distribute the shares um, because the board that I've got on at the moment, Sue Donald, Juan Sartori and himself, are stupid people. They're <laughs> reputable, biz reputable businessmen. Yep. Um, and it's, it's a case of if there's someone richer to come in, then he can make that decision. He can sort out those shares and those funds rather than playing a game of cat and mouse trying to figure out what, what is going on at the club. It's in his hands now. So... Uh, all the liabilities now on him, which I think is something that he wanted. 
Yep. Yeah, I think you touched on it with with mentioning the legacy. Now, now it really goes into KLD's hands. This is his club, you know, out, out basically out out and out, right? He he controls the you know the the majority of the shares. Anything that kind of now happens under his watch definitely you know is a reflection of his his uh, legacy and and just reputation. And I don't know what aspirations he has beyond this. I hope really just with his age and stuff. I hope he just sticks around forever as long as things obviously go well. But I think it does definitely put the pressure on him. He's going to want to succeed. He sees what it means, you know, to the club. And the less kind of the less people you have in and around, especially the the ownership. I think the board of directors is different. You want different opinions in there and things like that. And you want some different, you know, outside sources. But you want to try to keep at least the controlling majority, you know, all up pretty close to it. I think we're finally there. And if there's one thing, uh, there's a hundred things I could commend Sunderland fans for. But the one thing I've noticed since since following this club is if there's anything weird or fishy about ownership, they are, <laughs> we are absolutely on it and they will hound whoever it is until they, they figure it out. And, and a credit to them. I never in American sports is so different. The owners are all you know greedy bastards, a bunch of you know multi-billionaires who just don't care. Um, and, and the fans really don't have much of a say, right? There has to be something uh, completely scandalous to get an owner to actually sell the team. And it's so different. Um, you know, over here, you know, in, in, in just the football world. And so uh, Sunderland fans have, have done what they needed to do to protect the club. And I feel like now we can find the kind of, just like you said, Michael, it's relief. We can now move forward. You know, that chapter's done. Uh, it's the KLD era officially now and Juan Satori, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so uh, uh, I last thing we'll touch on uh, is the fixture release. Um, That's pretty exciting, uh, pretty exciting news. Um. We'll just kind of rattle through this real quick. But, Michael, what what kind of matches stood out to you? Obviously, the season starts on a Sunday, July 31st. It's going to be a lovely 5 a.m. game for for me. You know, uh, I was going to say, yeah, because it's a 12, it's a 12 p.m. <laughs> kickoff for us. I don't know, I'm going to watch this. Uh, I'll be up. I, I promise you I will be up, and it's uh, you know, I won't be happy about it. I, I haven't had a lot of great luck with the 5 a.m. games. They always seem to be the ones that we draw or lose and then i'm like well shit, now i'm tired and angry but uh I, I think i think i'll be riding on a lot of a lot of positive vibes that morning but yeah uh michael and daniel will go through but yeah michael what, what were some of the, the fixtures you're kind of looking forward to the most as we uh, as we kind of wrap things up well for starters not playing forest green um <laughs> as far as the challenge no disrespect the forest green of course but it's gonna it's gonna have to i heard it's a lovely lovely area out there and yeah, very sustainable oh, yeah, 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 yeah no, it's cool i, I think that I think they're the first. Uh, I think they're the first vegan club, apparently, or whatever, whatever it is. That's um, cool. So fair, fair play to the guys, but yeah, if the fixtures like Coventry obviously is a, is a cracking game to start with, especially being at home. Um, Norwich, I'm quite looking forward to playing because I've talked to a few Norwich fans, and I'm looking forward to finally coming up against them. So hopefully we don't embarrass ourselves there. Uh, Middlesbrough, for the fact, even though I don't personally view it as a derby, you can get into that's a separate debate for another time. But for me, it's still much better playing Borough. Then playing half the teams that were in League One, uh, probably the relegated, the, re- the relegated teams: Burnley, Watford, uh, Sheffield United. You know, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Who else there is? Um, just, you know, it's just the fact that we're actually in the championship and the fact that we're playing. <laughs> yeah. It honestly is though, like because we've had four years of League One and we've had four years of shite. Well, we've had longer than that of shite, but really shite four years of it. Um, it's just nice to actually be in a respectable league again. Um, and I'll just get this in there just to cover us. Hopefully, hopefully, obviously, the game at Wembley is the last time we're talking about a League One fixture with Sunderland because you never know. Sunderland can try to make things um, not so easy <laughs> for themselves. But 
yeah, look, it's, I, I honestly think the momentum we've got, I think, will will carry us through a lot of it. I think certainly, I think I'm looking forward to giving good teams a good game. But um, sorry, I, I know I'm, I'm doing it. You have waffling on Northampton, but yeah, if I had to pick Coventry, Middlesbrough, um, probably Huddersfield because that's an away game I've wanted to do. Sheffield United, you know Norwich, those type of teams. It's just much better playing them than who we would have been playing had we not got promoted. Absolutely. Basically, and, not only, uh, Michael, you're excited. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, yeah. Had, not, we've had nothing to shout about for five years. I'm, I'm clinging on to every level. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, same, same to you, though, Daniel. Any matches or just, or like, you can even analyze it like this. Is, is there any stretches of games or any months? You know, I have the schedule pulled up here. But are there any stretches of games that are concerning? <laughs> Maybe it's the, the whole yeah, season? Yeah. Absolutely. So... If if we dissect in the season, I mean the first the first three months we could see ourselves bottom of the league. That's that's the level that it's at. We're playing the what last season's top six and relegated Premier League teams yeah. all in the first three months. So that that stretch of games is probably going to be the most vital of the season um, in terms of getting the points on the board. Because if we if we tank it in those first three months, that confidence is going to hit us. And then we go into the Christmas, the the October period with seven games, um, and then it's the World Cup. So it's like it's thick and fast up the first half. <coughs> sorry, the first half of the season. Um, so that that is going to be the make or break of this this year, the first half of the season. Um, then going over into April, where we got another seven games. That run of fixtures is what you'd expect to, towards the bottom end of the championship. Well, going past on the past couple of seasons. So if we can get, if we can manage our way through the first half of the season, I think we'll be able to take it into the second half of the season to kick off um, and really like solidify ourselves in the championship, if not whatever we find ourselves in after the World Cup. Um, so these first three months are going to be scary. Every game is going to be edge of the seat sort of fingernail biting um, due to the, right. the complexity of the, the games that we are playing. Um, but obviously, it's nice to have a game that I know our fans don't call it a derby, Middlesbrough fans call it a derby, but it's nice to have a fixture that we actually look for on, this, on the fixture list now, um, a game that sort of has some meaning, um, whereas in in League One, we were the most northern team apart from Sheffield, and that's still two hours away. Um, so it's it's nice to have a, a, a team that we have a bit of history with. We have something like a bit of bragging rights over. Um, and, and teams that aren't located on the south coast of England either. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And personally, for me, it's a bit more, it's a bit of a bigger game because my best mate is a Borough fan. So it's it's like a, a big game for us. Uh, we've been talking about it for years, so finally we get to do it. Um, and obviously we've got the League One, League One history with Coventry, so I I am not shocked that that's our first game of the season. Um, it, that was written in the starts. Um, but there's not really like a, a standout game for me. It's more of we've really got to be serious. It's a case of we need the points on the board, um, regardless of who we play. I mean, we, we came against the championship clubs last season in the um, Carabao Cup and got to the quarter-final of it. So we did it last season in League One uh, with QPR, etc. We should be able to do it again. 
it's just we need to be serious. We need to, uh, and I know Alex Neal knows all of this. He's been through it many times. He's been in that playoff final and won the playoff final. He's been in the top end of the championship. He knows what it takes to be successful. So I'm just hoping that we get the players in that can um, epitomise that philosophy that he's trying to install that mentality. And the players that we do have seem to be taking it serious, but I hope that they really do realise the challenge that's up against them. Um, because like I said, this three months between July and September, we could find ourselves bottom or we could find ourselves top. <laughs> right. They will really make or break the season. Yep. No, I think, I think that's good. Just, just, sorry, sorry, Kyle. No, you're good. Um, just, just to point out the to counteract that with the, the first, like if you look at the first seven fixtures, all of them are at the Stadium of Light, and the only one that I would say, I would maybe say I would take a point in is probably Norwich, for example, because they probably favourites for the title. But if you look at the other home games, Coventry is not exactly easy, but we're at home. We've got the momentum from last season. QPR tailed off towards the end of last year, and then I think we had Rotherham, and Rotherham who are probably one of the favourites to go down. Not saying we're not obviously because we we could we could get relegated. Please don't, by the way. But we could still <laughs> we could possibly go down. You got Bristol City, whose home record last year was pretty poor from their fans' perspective. Uh, I mean, granted, the block in August that's a tough one is Sheffield United, Stoke, and Norwich uh. all in one go. Because I know not I know I'm going to contradict myself here. Stoke, I think, finished 16th, but let's be honest, they've got a squad for me that should be doing much better than it is. So that that and it's away from home. That's a very tough one. But in general, across the course of the season, our home form is going to be key if we're going to be all right in this division. Absolutely. You know, and and to be fair, that's one of the things that in League One, for the most part, our home form was all right. It was our away form that was usually the problem. But I think this time, if you get, I mean, again, if you get a good crowd of, say, what, because haven't we sold, is it under 30k season tickets or around that figure, roughly? Yeah, we've hit 30k and we're above that now, aren't we? Okay, well, there you go then. So, in, in general, match day attendance at the Stadium of Light, I know a lot of fans um, tend to get offended by this for some reason, but um, the attendance at the Stadium of Light, in general, you could probably get close to 40,000 because that, that's season ticket holders alone, that figure of 30,000. It's not including people who buy tickets singularly on a match day or away fans coming up to the stadium. You know, I think that I think the atmosphere, I think as fans, we really have a, have a part to play at home, which I know sounds obvious and stupid, but we do have a part to play when the team, we're going to need to scrap for every single point we can get this season. So the fact we've got four of our first seven at home, I think is a, is a pretty big thing. I think we need to get a couple of victories at the start if we can. Yeah. And then it sort of sets the tone for later on. Right. And I hope we can kind of capture that same environment, the same atmosphere that we did in the playoff games. Cause I, I mean, I still watch the home fixture against chef Wed and I get chills, you know, with the, uh, with the black cat eyes and the flame. I mean, some of the pictures from that were just phenomenal. And, you know, I think we're going to carry a lot of that same energy into the beginning of the season, which hopefully will, momentum, will carry us. It? Yeah. It's momentum it, again. And, and it's also the... Have to. It's also, yep. I think a lot of people, because we've been out of the championship for four years, will treat this as a get in, right? We're in a half decent league now. So I think there'll be more people up for it, if that makes sense, from the fan base. Because last last couple of years, it's... Oh, yeah, it's good to be back, but League One again. You know, whereas now, now it's right. Okay, like Daniel said earlier, we we now need to mean business here. It's the championship. It was one league below where, in my opinion, the club belongs. But still, the championship is a much more sustainable league for us to be in than League One. Yep. Yeah, I think, and just to wrap it up, I think a few fixtures I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm gonna love Wigan, right? Just because their fans are just hilarious to me, and they just will not let it go. Um, but Wigan coming, I, I, yeah, I think that'll be good. You know, see Max Power. You know, good see away those guys. Fair, Wigan. You, you said what? 
So I'm saying, I mean, I know obviously I know it's harder for you to get away games, but it's, right. it's a good away day, Wigan. Uh, oh, I mean, good. I'm saying that because I went when we won three nil, like so that might have influenced nice. it, but it is a good away day. Packers get quite a good away, a good away rep for a lot of fans, but I'm nice. looking forward to that. Yeah, no, yeah, Wigan will be a lot of fun. I'm um, just kind of see them back. I, I loved, I think on what the fuck podcast they talked about Blackburn Rovers being the Dan, the Danny Graham Derby, which I think is just hilarious. Um, and then Cardiff City on Saturday fifth. A little bit of caveats there. I mean, if Gareth Bale does sign for Car. Cardiff City. I think that'll be quite the treat to see him at the Stadium of Light, and I just feel bad for whoever on our squad has, has to try to. Providing he does poor, it's all right. We'll we'll see him for thirteen minutes, and you'll get sent off, and we'll win four 0 And then he'll go golf. Yeah, we'll see him on the on the golf course right after that. You know, <laughs> so. Uh, around the northeast, Gareth, get yourself up to the Stadium of Light. Right. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, but I, I think that'll that'll do it for here. Uh, Michael, Daniel, really appreciate you guys hopping on with me uh, on, like I said, the pod that is aptly now known as Guchella. As we, uh, you know, everything just everything tastes a little better. The the air's a little, you know, cleaner out here. You know, ever since Linda Gooch signed, it's crazy. You know, it's just what what a lift. What a lift. He's just he's, he's just great. It's just on. It's just wonderful. So I can tell you're on cloud nine with that. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's good. Yeah, because I would have. Yeah, it's just we got to have the connection there. Yeah, for for other American fans, you never know. You know, other fans who are looking for a team. You know, they'll pull up the roster. They'll see Linda Gooch there, and you never know. There'll there'll be more of me around, which is uh like I said, it, it's. It's always it's always great you know you guys have as always welcomed us you know american fans into the fold so uh, i'm always appreciative of that but yeah linda gooch played a big part there so guchella is officially underway until uh until probably the first game so <laughs> we'll see how it all goes down but right uh, on that crest wave kyle right on right. that crest wave yes santa cruz wave yes i, I gotta photoshop that yeah linda gooch on a wave. i know his brother's professional surfer uh so there you go <laughs> <laughs> he really is. So, uh, but with that, this has been another episode of Mac in the Middle, and uh, I'm sure a lot of the signings that we talked about will probably either sign somewhere else or whatever. But uh, that's just how these things work. So, uh, but until then, we will. Uh, I'm sure Josh will be back next week to to kind of catch up on a few other things. So, but until then, we will see you later. That's all, folks.